Hello, folks. This is your host, Ellie Tascari, welcoming you to Faith Uncensored. Today, you will hear stories of real people who step by faith into the footprints of Jesus. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Faith Uncensored. Today, we have a very special person here, a very good friend of ours, Bob Wicker. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Okay. We are honored to have you, actually. And thank you for accepting our invite to come here. And uh, we are very excited to have him here because he's part of Elijah Rising, and he's got a bunch of good stories and testimonies to share with us. He is a man of faith and a man of great courage, and we are happy and honored to have you today. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background now. Sure. So uh, I got into anti-sex trafficking ministry, ministry about three, little over three years ago mm -hmm. uh, with Elijah Rising. Um, I actually had known Elijah Rising's founder uh, back all the way back since 1982. And I knew, I was aware she was involved in that kind of ministry at some point, but I didn't know much about it until I saw a national TV program in which Elijah Rising was featured. And I, I, I remember calling my family and saying, hey, see that lady? I know her. <laughs> and we had, you know, regained contact and lost contact over the years. And when I saw that program, I really felt a call from the Lord to get involved. And I, I, I don't know if the Lord was just spending time preparing me or if I wasn't obedient to that call right away, but it was a couple of years until I actually you know, made the call and said, hey, I want to get involved. Mm -hmm. And I called, I called my friend and I said, you know, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be involved in. I really don't know much about it other than what I've seen. And she said, well, I happen to be teaching a class tonight. Come by the offices and see what you think. And I did. And the rest is history, as they say. Mm -hmm. I've been involved ever since. So Elijah Rising. Yes. So I, I just I was looking. I didn't dig too much because, I, I, as I told you, I wanted to be surprised. But I was touched by the mission statement that is the mission of Elijah Rising is to end sex trafficking. Yes. And then through prayer, awareness, intervention, and restoration. So, I mean, the, the, the end is to, the purpose is to end sex trafficking. That's correct. And I love it. Yes. I love it. It's very ambitious, but it is. we know that all things are possible when we partner with God. And a Amen. Yeah, there's no way we could ever do that on our own. There's mm -hmm. no way we as one organization will do that, which is why we partner with a lot of other organizations mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, in fact, we're, we're always looking right now in intervention, we're always looking for new opportunities to partner with other ministries out on the streets doing intervention in other ways. You know, we partner with Rescue America in terms of when women are ready to exit. You know, it's 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 nothing we can do on our own, but God is capable of of anything and everything. You know, and and we've seen miracles happen. We've seen miracles happen in the ministry. Mm. We've seen miracles happen. You know, just through our daily lives, walking with the Lord. Uh, and you know, it's 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 necessary i think to have an ambitious goal yeah. um because god is much bigger than our limitations or yeah. our our, th our the limitations of our thought process yeah. that's so true you know yeah. um once i read i think on facebook that if your dreams are n they, if your dreams don't scare you you know it's not even a dream from god i don't remember i cannot um cite that verbatim but 
basically, God will always give you a dream bigger, much bigger than um, what you, uh, what your possibility, what your finances allow you to. You know, it's going to be always greater, always bigger, bigger than your finances, bigger than your dreams, bigger, bigger, bigger. So, and more ambitious. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's beautiful because yeah, we, we tend to think, you know, with our natural minds in the mm -hmm. natural world and God is definitely so much bigger than that. Yeah. Oh man, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you share something, uh, about what's going on and uh, what you've been, been experiencing this, these years? Sure. Mm -hmm. So, so I started out with Elijah Rising in um, doing uh, cantinas because I speak Spanish and they would always invite Spanish speakers to... What's a cantina? <laughs> oh, sure. I'll get to that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay. And so, uh, and so I, you know, I was a natural fit for that because they needed Spanish speakers in the cantina. So cantina is just the Spanish word for bar. But in this case, we're talking about cantina brothels, places where women primarily from Central America, sometimes from Mexico or Cuba, are trafficked uh, for the purpose of uh, exploitation so that their traffickers can make money. Uh, and so I began by uh, frequently during the Elijah Rising interventions going to the cantinas and then the woman that was leading those that group um, had other things come up and she was unable to lead that group anymore and they asked me to take that process over. And I did that uh, for a couple of years. And uh, as right, right as COVID was happening, Elijah Rising reached out to me and the, the leadership reached out and they asked me if I would be willing to uh, take over interventions in Houston mm -hmm. and kind of oversee the intervention process, the different types of intervention in Houston, which includes the cantina brothels, the uh, illegal massage businesses, mm -hmm. the uh, the strip club uh the strip club ministry the um the street ministry and then COVID happened mm -hmm. and we stopped doing interventions altogether. we sat down we began to pray we spent a lot of time praying lord what would you have us do what would you have us do differently we want to take this opportunity to reset everything we're doing in interventions mm -hmm. We want to stop. We want to rebuild everything from the ground up your way. And we did. And the first thing we started doing again was going back out to the streets because we realized very quickly, you know, I was still going out there during that time. Sorry if I interrupt because I sure. am very ignorant, you know. Um, sure. So uh, when you say um, you would go to the cantina to do mm -hmm. intervention or sure. to the, you have a um, uh, brothel, you know, what what's, what do you do in this intervention? What sure. So, and that looks different depending on the place we're talking about. But in the in the cantina brothels, what that looks like is, you know, they're set up like a normal bar, only there are women that are there that are being trafficked, that mm -hmm. are, you know, there to make money on behalf of the, the traffickers. They're mm -hmm. being exploited. And so what we do in that scenario is we take teams uh, into these places. We meet with the women there. We make sure that they, they know they're loved that they're appreciated. Uh, we make sure they understand that the, that God loves them. Mm -hmm. um, we give them little gifts to show our appreciation for them. Mm -hmm. And we give them the rescue number so that they know they have a way out. Ah, okay, okay, okay. And, uh, and that is huge because outside of that interaction with us, they often don't see or have contact with anyone other than their traffickers or the men that, that buy mm -hmm. their that buy their services. I see, I see. Isn't that dangerous? Because I believe the, the pimps, you know, can 
yeah. find you or say, you know, what what are you doing giving her a number? You know what's beautiful about being in a ministry that's that has done everything by prayer, through prayer, through obedience to the Lord. When you operate in that place, you have a covering. Mm-hmm. You really have a covering. The Lord the Lord covers what you do and protects you. We have never had a problem in any of our oh, interventions. Wow. Wow. We also, uh, as I wow. said, we, we minister in the strip clubs, which are far more nefarious than most people realize. You know, the, mm-hmm. the old idea of the gentleman's club is, you know, it, the, there's no reality to that. Mm-hmm. Many, many of the women in strip clubs are being trafficked. Uh, either by a pimp or often even domestically by a, by their boyfriend. And, you know, yeah. I call that boyfriend spelled P-I-M-P, you know. Mm. Um, a lot of the strip clubs have VIP rooms where money for sex transaction takes place, you know, mm-hmm. transactions take place. Um, we, uh, and, and men don't do strip club ministry. Only women go into the strip clubs, you know, I was wondering, based yeah, on yeah, the yeah. nature of, you know, the women are half nude or sometimes totally nude in those clubs. So we uh-huh. don't, we don't take male volunteers into the strip clubs. Uh, we also go do ministry in the illegal massage businesses, mm-hmm. which are everywhere. I don't, I don't care what nice neighborhood you live in. You know, we're in Rosenberg, right? Yeah. Which is a very nice area. Yes. Um, you can be in Rosenberg, you can be in Katy, you can be in Magnolia, you can be in the woodlands. You know, there are illegal massage businesses everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're set up in shopping centers. They look like, they may look like a normal massage business. You're going to see, uh, you know, advertising for personal services such as massage or spa or foot reflexology. Um, but in reality, it's a place where men go. Um, they pay one price for a massage. They're taken into a private room. And then once they're in that private room, they make a money for sex arrangement. Ah, okay. Um, we all, and we mm. also go out onto the streets. The street ministry is probably the hardest type of ministry in that the environment out there is I mean, it's crazy. People people go out there for the first time, and you know their eyes get really wide, and they're they're just amazed at what they see. Uh, the 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 track, uh, which is you know a typical name, the track or the blade, is a name for an area where women are prostituted. You know, out on the streets. Um, Bissonette is the largest uh, area, the largest track in the Houston area. It's unfortunately known internationally. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the largest in, in the country. And uh, it's it's very difficult ministry out there. Uh, it, it takes, there's, mm-hmm. you don't see breakthrough very often. You don't see a woman leave the life from there frequently. Oh, really? yeah. the, the amount of brainwashing um, and mm-hmm. control that it takes to take an otherwise, you know, human being that's, that's, you know, living some sort of a normal life and send and, and be able to send that woman out on your behalf as a pimp in order to make money for you is extreme. Uh, it often involves violence. It always involves a bunch of psychological control. And the, the you know, you take somebody who's already broken for whatever reason, mm-hmm. bad family life, poverty, whatever, whatever the the circumstances in that woman's life are, or, or that child's life, because it frequently, you know, they get involved at the age of 13, 14, 15, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. younger. And, you know, you take someone who's already broken, you brainwash that person. And by the time you brainwash them to where they're willing to go out onto the street and have, you know, sex with man after man after man every night and not keep any of that money, bring it all back to their pimp and live for their pimp. The, they're not easily going to leave that situation. Mm. 
you know. Mm. Um, they truly are brainwashed. We mm. also see situations out there where, you know, it's very frequent that dissociative disorder happens, which is mm. where somebody takes on another persona because the trauma, the complex trauma is so intense that they can't stand to live mm. within their own My. persona. So they take on another persona. And so when they live in that place, they don't even realize how bad the situation they're in is. Sometimes they don't even realize it's bad at all um, because they've been brainwashed. Wow. And so it's very difficult for them to get out. Mm. So going back to where I was, you mm. know, after yeah. COVID happened, we, we stopped doing all, all interventions. And then we began back with the streets because that's where the ministry started. Well, we started with prayer, right? As mm -hmm. I said, the first yeah. thing we did is started meeting to pray. Uh, Elijah Rising started with prayer. It started as a prayer group mm -hmm. and uh, back in around okay. 20, 2011 and long before I was involved. And we started with prayer and then we went back to, to Bissonette because that was, you know, again, kind of rebuilding the way the Lord wanted us to, right? Uh, I had been going out to Bissonette consistently even as all that was happening. And what I realized was that what we realized as a ministry is that there was there were even more women out there than normal because of COVID, because of their economic situations, because wow. initially the strip clubs shut down and women who were working in strip clubs oh went out there. Yeah. You know, all all of these new women started showing up out there and in far greater quantities than than were even out there normally. Wow. And so we realized that look, the need is is huge for us to be out there, right? Mm. Um, I, I would suspect that none of the Asian, none of, I'm sorry, none of the illegal massage businesses shut down, but the, a lot of the cantinas did because they had to, or at least some of the cantinas did because they were supposed to, um, and the strip clubs shut down. So we, mm. we focused, you know, back on the streets and now little by little, we're building the rest of that intervention back in, mm. you know, as people were willing to go out and go back into those other places we're we're building that back in. Wow. Wow. There are some things that I, I don't know really. I know that sex traffic is happening, but I have I had no idea, honestly. You know yeah. how it can go deep into, you know, the society. I mean, it's it's on the street. It's public. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. It's in every neighborhood in yeah. some form or another. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and that's the reason that part of what we do at Elijah Rising is awareness. You know. Um, yes. we're not doing them during COVID because we don't want to pack 12 or 15 people in a van together. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but normally we do van tours where we take groups of people out into the city, uh, into any neighborhood. Cause it doesn't matter where you go. I can show you sex trafficking anywhere. Right. But we yeah. take them out and show them, you know, what it looks like, what the face of sex trafficking in Houston looks like. Yeah. We also do education through, uh, podcasts through, we just did a webinar, um, mm -hmm. that's very informative. If you know, uh, you know, if you uh, check out Elijah Rising on social media, you'll you'll um, you know find a, mm -hmm. a link to to that. Uh, check out our podcasts; uh, you'll learn a lot about it. But but we do a lot of different education. We also you know speak at churches, mm -hmm. things like that, okay. just to educate people as to what it looks like uh -uh. and to get more people involved. You know, we yeah. we always need we always need people to get involved. You know, we're, our volunteer opportunities are more limited during COVID for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. but we do still have people that come and help and. And, um, you know, with wonderful hearts that, that uh, you know, that have been called into this type of ministry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So glad to, I mean, I'm glad I invited you here because because of COVID, there's not as much opportunity. So I'm glad, you know, this podcast is going to go out. I hope a lot of people can hear it and, uh, you know. So just um, 
just uh, we were talking before like you said you wanted to share some a testimony I do I do let me say this first the one of the other ways there's actually a couple of other ways that Elijah Rising is able to be a very effective in this place and mm-hmm. one of those is uh, we have a we have a social enterprise uh, well first of all we have a restoration campus mm-hmm. uh, and the restoration campus looks like this uh, we have an 84 acre campus we have homes out there we currently have one of them open. We'll be opening a second one this year. Mm. We're hoping to open a second home this year where we can have women who have children in their custody who have left the left the life of sex trafficking. You can't just go from that place I was speaking about a minute ago, especially if you were brought into that life at you know 14 or 15 years old and now maybe you're uh-huh. 21, 22, 23. You right. can't just go from that and suddenly snap yourself back into a normal life. It, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there it, there is complex trauma that has to be yeah. over come there's healing that has to happen um many times when women are in sex trafficking their their trafficker will um have them commit crimes on his behalf okay or on Uh their behalves for example um you know pimps don't usually sell drugs they have the women sell drugs for them pimps don't Mm -hmm. commit fraud financial fraud they have the women do that for them you know Mm -hmm. i i heard of a case recently in which a woman uh robbed a bank uh because her pimp told her she had to and then she took the charge for that you know um they'll often ruin their credit you know so they need the opportunity to have a place where all of the restoration that needs to happen can happen where they can get trauma-informed counseling and therapy where they can uh, build job skills, you know, where they can mm-hmm. learn how to write a resume and things like that. Yeah. So our restoration campus allows them to do that. One mm-hmm. of the ways we teach them job skills and and are able to operate in that place is we have a social enterprise. We have a store. Uh, we have both a physical store and an online store. And the women are able to make products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those products are sold through the store. And then the proceeds go back to supporting the work of the restoration campus. Huh. And so uh, those are some other ways mm-hmm. in which Elijah, Elijah Rising is able to, um, you know, really help, you know, in a real way, help women who have come out of the life of sex trafficking wow. and, and um, you know, allow them to start a new life. Huh. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but yes, I do want to share a testimony. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a long testimony, but I, I promise you that if you stick it out to the end, you're really going to be amazed. And... What I love about this testimony, and I'm going to talk more about this at the end because I want to revisit what I'm going to say right now after everybody's actually heard the testimony. (laughs) Um, I love a couple of things about this testimony. This testimony shows us a lot about hearing the voice of the Lord, what Mm. that looks like, Mm. and trusting it when you do hear it, you know. Mm. Because the Lord doesn't operate in the natural world, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. God doesn't operate in the natural world. And sometimes when he tells us to do something, it sounds crazy to us or it doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. And we have to trust his voice. Mm. And this this testimony shows what that looks like. Sometimes we have to trust his voice even after we're obedient and we still don't see or understand right away why he had us do what he had us do. Mm. And this testimony speaks to that as well. So wow. it just takes faith and then faith again, yes, right? I, mean, I definitely need to hear it now <laughs> for myself. So yes, yes. And then lastly, what I love about this testimony is this testimony touches on what it looks like when God leaves the 99 behind and goes after that one person. Mm. By the way, I promise you I'll get emotional a couple of times yeah, during this okay. testimony because I'm a great yeah. big crybaby. The Lord has trans- <laughs> the Lord has transformed me into a great big crybaby, and really? I love that. I, yeah. lo- I love who I am now, you know, because it's who he's made me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so this testimony starts out on a Thursday morning. There was a 45-day period in 2019 in which I had received a, a prophecy and a prophetic assignment about the Bissonette track, where I was doing ministry on a regular basis at that time, as I am now, weekly, as I am now. And um, I was out there every—I was fasting every day until 4 o'clock, and I was going out there for 45 days every morning. I was getting down on my knees and um, reading and declaring Psalm 34 and Psalm 51 over the land and praying. And while I was out there, I would meet the women who were out there. And uh, one morning I was driving around after I had read the Psalms and prayed, and I saw one of the women who I would see out there on a relatively regular basis. We'll call her Nicole. Mm-hmm. And Nicole was walking down Bissonette, but she was limping. And I parked my truck, and I got out, and I walked over. And, of course, she walked over to me because, you know, we, we speak to each other whenever I was out there. And I, I asked her what had happened. And that morning, she had gotten picked up by, by a customer, John, whatever mm-hmm. language you're comfortable with. And he had, uh, because she asked him to please use a condom, he went off he got out of his car. He walked around to her side where she was sitting in the passenger seat, grabbed her, drug her out of the car. Her foot got caught under the seat. She twisted her ankle severely. He pulled her out of the car and began to try to smack her head against the concrete sidewalk. Thank God she was able to get her hand in between her head and the concrete. So her head only only hit the concrete one time. But he continued to slam her head while she screamed bloody murder. And the only thing that saved her mm-hmm. is somebody heard her screaming and stopped. So he got back in his car and left and left her there on the sidewalk. Wow. And even wow. though that happened, and this this is heartbreaking and it's difficult to hear, mm-hmm. but even though that happened, uh, you know, she can't end her work day because some violence takes place. She still has to stay out there and try to earn money uh, until she's allowed to to come back home for the day because her trafficker requires it, her pimp requires it. And so at mm-hmm. 7.30 in the morning when I encountered her, she was still out there working, even though that had happened around 4.30 in the morning. And she was in a significant amount of pain. Her ankle was swollen. She had mm-hmm. injuries to her head. She had other injuries. And I said, wow. are you ready to get out? And she said yes. So uh, I got her to safety. Um you know, in case her pimp drove by or something, which he often does to check on her. I got her out of sight. I had her call the rescue number. Uh, I am also, uh, I also volunteer with Rescue American. I'm on the exit team as I was then. So um, I waited for another member to come, a female member. And then we uh, we took her. Uh, now, I work a day job. All, all the ministry I do is volunteer work. I volunteer with Elijah Rising as well. I work a full-time job during the day. But I called off of work that day because I really wanted to help her. I wanted to be involved in helping her because she had that trust with me already yeah. and the other person that she didn't know, right? And so we had to do several things that day. She informed us that she had to be in court that day, and if she wasn't in court that day, she was going to have an arrest warrant issued mm. for charges she had picked up out on this and that. By the way, just to specify, Elijah Rising does not support the idea of arresting or or charging um, victims of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And I hate to use the word victim, but while someone is being trafficked, yeah. they're not doing that out of their own free no. will in any way, shape, slavery. or form. It's yeah. slavery. It's absolutely human slavery. Yeah. And so we don't believe that law enforcement should charge, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, arrest you. and charge those those women mm-hmm. or, or whoever's being trafficked. Um, but she had to go to court that day, so... Uh, we took her to court. 
she was, I didn't, and we didn't even think about this, but she was thrown out of court because of the way she was dressed. And she was dressed relatively conservatively for someone walking the streets out there, but still she had a short mm-hmm. skirt on and the judge said, you know, go, you have until three o'clock to come back. We then had to go get her some clothing so that when she returned to court, she could go in. So we mm-hmm. bought her some sweats, you know, top yeah. and shorts and some shoes. We then had to take her to uh, the hospital to get her injuries addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, of course, that takes a while. You have to wait. And then yeah. she got treated. Um, we got an opportunity Actually, it was beautiful because she, along with me, helped educate the nurse in the emergency room about how to recognize signs of sex trafficking. Oh, really? And I thought it was really beautiful that she did that. Wow. Um, wow. She really wanted to get out. She re- well, she did. And we're going to get to that, okay, though. Okay, we're going to get to that. I yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. we then had to take her to the assessment center for the safe house that she was going to. Mm-hmm. Then we had to take her back to court. And then finally, at the end of the day, we got her into the safe house. Mm-hmm. By this time, it was about 530 in the evening. I went home, went about my normal routine for the evening, went to sleep. Uh, the next that was a Thursday. The next day was Friday. That Friday was intervention night for Elijah Rising. So I showed up and again, at that time, my regular assignment was to take teams out into the cantinas. So I had two regular members of regular volunteers that volunteered with me on a regular basis that were going to go to the cantinas with me that night. And I had two new volunteers that I didn't know that had signed up. That morning in my prayer time, the Lord had told me that he was going to show one of the people on my team where we were going to go. Uh There are cantinas in different parts of the city. I'm very familiar with all those places. I've been in them many times, but I like to pray about where to go. And that Mm -hmm. morning in my prayer time, I was asking the Lord, Lord, where would you have us go today? And he said, I'm going to show one of the people on your team. Uh So I asked the two regular members, the regular volunteers, hey, has the Lord showed you guys anything about where we're going to go tonight? And they said no. And so when the two new members showed up, the two new volunteers, or I say new volunteers, I hadn't met them before, I asked them the same question. I told them, I said, hey, the Lord showed me today that he's going to show one of you where we're going. So, you know, be open to that. And they were like, sure. One of the women, uh, who's an amazing woman of God, her name is Megan Walton, who I had never met before. Um, We walked outside, and as we walked outside, the Lord told me, you're going to drive, and she's going to navigate. Those, those mm-hmm. Very clearly, those were the words I heard the Lord speak. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. And as we walked out, as confirmation of that, she actually ran to her vehicle to grab a jacket. And when she came back, she said, I'm riding shotgun. I said, okay. So that was kind of a little confirmation, right? Like she uh-huh. was hearing the same thing from the Lord. And she got in the passenger seat, and the other volunteers were in the back seat. And we began to drive. And so I'm thinking the Lord's going to give her the name of a place, like a cantina, which has happened to us mm-hmm. before. Like one of the volunteers said, you know, just blurted out a name once, and it was the name of a cantina we didn't even know about. We went there, and, you know, it was like, wow, uh-huh. this is a cantina. You know, that was God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe she was going to give me the name of an area, and I would have known which cantinas are in that area. Or maybe, you know, we're going to the south side or we're going to the north side. You know, mm-hmm. something that would have given us some kind of of indication where we're going. But no, God had other plans. Hmm. And so she began giving us turn by turn directions as though she were Siri or, you know, Google Maps or something. And so she said, get on the freeway, go this way, get off at this exit. We ended up in the Galleria area. We drove around the Galleria area for a while. At one point, we even drove down a dead end street and had to make a U-turn in a hotel and come back. Now in the natural, you would Hmm. think this lady's crazy. She just had us go down a dead end, Mm. but God had a plan. And I remember her saying, I see lights. 
later, one of the regular members of volunteers that was with me said, told me after this, right? I thought that lady was cray cray. It's Houston at night. Of course you see lights. <laughs> yeah. But I felt peace about this whole thing. Mm. And so I just followed her directions. We ended up on San Felipe going westbound. We ended up ultimately on Briar Forest going westbound. Mm. Now, I know where the cantinas in Houston are. There are no cantinas on that side of town. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, you know, but again, I had she had faith. She had enough faith to trust the voice of the Lord to go somewhere where she had no idea where she was going mm-hmm. and just be obedient and hear his voice. And I had faith because I felt peace. And I know that when I'm serving the Lord and I feel peace, that I'm doing what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And so, and he already told me, She's going to navigate, you're going to drive. So I kept driving. We got down toward Briar Forest and Derry Ashford on the west side of Houston. Mm-hmm. And right before we got to Derry Ashford, she said, I see orange, orange lights. Or no, she said, I see orange. And one of the people in the back said, orange what? She said, I don't know. I just see orange. orange. And so then she said, turn left here. And we turned left on Derry Ashford. And as we drove down Derry Ashford away, there was an orange neon sign that, sw- that said shawarma. Wow. And she said, that's it. Wow. I didn't even know what shawarma was. Shawarma is a Middle Eastern food, kind of huh. like a, a gyro or, you know, it, it, I, I've, to this day, I've never eaten shawarma. Yeah, never heard about it either. And I hadn't either, but she said, that's it. And so we pulled in and we parked in front of the shawarma place and I had peace about it. So we got out and we went inside and we went inside and this, this little place had a very small area in front, but most of their tables for dining were in the back. So we went into the back. We looked around. I felt like the Lord was highlighting this one woman. So we went up and talked to her and asked her if, you know, she needed prayer. And she actually began to cry. She said, yes, I do. And so we asked her what was going on. And she said she'd been praying all day for her sister who was horribly addicted to drugs and had almost died. And so we prayed with her for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she thanked us profusely. And uh, we went toward the front, and there was a, a woman sitting by herself at a table, and she was a Muslim woman. And we asked her if we could pray with her, and she accepted. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed for this Muslim woman. And it was beautiful. And we didn't feel like we had anything else to do there, so we left. But we still didn't understand why the Lord had really sent us there. Was it just mm-hmm. to pray for that one woman? Was it, to, was it so that Muslim woman could see the love of, of God, of Christ in, mm-hmm. in Christian people? We didn't know. But we left. We drove up into town. We prayed for some other people that we saw on the street that we felt like the Lord was highlighting. And we went back to the the church where, you know, the Elijah Rising event was happening. And we came in because it was time to go back. We had a time we had to return. And when I walked in, my, my good friend Hayden Hernandez was uh, the interventions leader that night. And the first question he asked me when we walked in, he says, which cantinas did you go to tonight, Bob? And I said, well, Hayden, we actually didn't go to any cantinas tonight. Mm. And I said, but I'll explain later. And uh, so the, the evening ended, and I did explain to Hayden why we didn't go to any cantinas. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looked at me a little funny, <laughs> like, you know, okay. your job was to take teams out to the cantinas, you know. And so, uh, so that was Friday night. Um, Saturday morning, again, I was going out to Bissonette every morning because it was during that 45-day period. Saturday morning, I went out there. And I saw Nicole out there again, the woman that we had gotten Mm -hmm. off the streets on Thursday. And I parked my truck and I got out and I walked up to her and she hung her head low. And I said, I I did promise I'd get emotional during this, right? I said, Nicole, I'm not mad at you. I said, I'm disappointed that you came back out here, but I'm not mad. And she looked at me and she said, Bob, it's really not in you to be mad at me, is it? 
And I said, no, it's not. I said, because no matter what you do, I love you because God loves you. And she cried, gave me a hug. And she explained what happened. She went into the safe house and, you know, in this place they have bunk beds and you're in a room with three other women and some of the women were arguing and fighting and, you know, all the all the, the soul ties that she has to her pimp. She'd been out on the streets for six years at that point. Six years. And you don't just walk away from that. And because she'd known no other life. Like many women, she got into that life when she was very young. She knew no other life. And she said, I just couldn't handle it in that place. And so I left and came back out here. Familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, let us know when you're ready to get out again and we'll get you out. I said, if we have to get you out 20 times. I don't want you to hesitate to call because we're going to come and get you out 20 times and we're not going to judge you. We're just going to show you love all, every time. And she said, I'm never going to waste your time like that again. She said, she said, you, you, you didn't go to work that day to help me. She said, you, you and that other person, you know, you were all day long you spent with me and I'm never going to waste your time like that again. When I call that number again, I'm going to be ready to get out forever. And I said, well, when you are, you let us know. And she said, oh, by the way, I saw you last night. I said, we weren't out here last night. Normally on a Friday night, we would have been out there. But this was the fourth Friday, and on the fourth Friday, it was time to take the teams out to the cantina. And she said, no, not out here, at the shawarma place. And I said, I didn't see you. She said, I know. When you and your team walked in, I hid from you because I was embarrassed because you had invested all that time in getting me out, and I had gone back. And she said, the customer I was with wanted shawarma and asked me to go in and pay for it. And she said, so I went in and she said, you know how the register is kind of behind that little refrigerator there, that that cooler? I said, yeah, it's a tall cooler. She said, I hid behind that when I saw you walk in and you guys walked in the back. I paid for the food. And as soon as you guys walked in the back, I walked out the front door. And I said, Nicole, you have no idea how we got there. And I told her the whole story that I just told you. And she began to cry. I said, Nicole, last night God left the 99 behind to go after you because he loves you so much. And he did all of that just to show you how much he loves you. And I didn't, what's, you know, I didn't know what happened to Nicole for a long time after that. I saw her a couple of times and then I didn't see her for a long time. And not too long ago, I was out on Bissonette as I am every Friday night with a group of volunteers. And she came walking up to our table. We often set up a table. We have gifts and things for the women, and we use that as kind of our home base. We'll go out, send teams out to go find women and minister to them. But a lot of the women come by the table because they know we're out there. And, you know, we have snacks for them and water and, you know, mm-hmm. hot hot cocoa. If it's cold, we have hand warmers and gloves and hats we pass out and just mm-hmm. love on them that way. And and I, I was out there, and you know what's interesting is I was out there with a very new believer. And um, the week before, this new believer was out there, and Megan Walton, the woman who listened to the God's navigator. voice, yeah. the, navigator, the navigator, and I shared that testimony with this new believer. This is now the following week, and the new believer is out there again, and Megan's not. Megan, Megan has a family, young children. She doesn't come out frequently, right, late at night, which is yeah. totally understandable. And Nicole comes walking up with another woman out there. 
and I hadn't seen her in about a year, and I was so excited wow. to see her because you never know if they've gotten hurt. Yeah, they. You don't know alive. if they're out. You don't. Yeah, you don't know. And um, she walked up and gave me a big hug, and she told her friend that was with her, the other woman that was out there working with her, and she said, "This is Bob, the guy I told you about, you know, from the shawarma place." Wow. And her friend said, "Oh my God, you're that Bob." And I said, yeah. She said, I've known Nicole for nine months, and this woman will not shut up about that shawarma place and how much <laughs> So even though she is still in the life, she's out there sharing the testimony of God all the time. Because she knows God loves her. Because she knows God loves her. Because he left the 99 behind to go after her. Mm. You know, God's timing is perfect. And I firmly believe that the fact that Megan and I shared that testimony with this new believer, and a week later, she got to hear it from, and I asked Nicole to recount it to her from her side. And of course, she told exactly the same story, right? And this new believer got to see what it looks like. And this is what I love about that testimony. She got to see what it looks like to hear the voice of God, recognize the voice of God, be obedient to the voice of God. And even though you don't see in the natural what God is doing right away or at all, have the faith to know that he's doing what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And it's also a testimony about how our Lord will leave the 99 behind to go after that one person so that that one person knows how much he loves us. Mm, Wow. And the other thing about that testimony Mm. is... You know, how do you get to the point, somebody might ask, to where you can hear the voice of God that way? And I love to answer that question Mm. because there's only one way you can do that. And the only way you can do that is to spend time with the Lord, to have that intimate relationship with God and communicate with Him every day and learn over time to hear His voice Mm -hmm. and learn over time to trust his voice mm. to the point where he's if he says to you go here turn left here turn right here keep going down this road until i tell you to go somewhere else you have the trust in him that even though you don't know where he's taking you and you don't know why that you can do that mm-hmm. and the only way to be able to hear his voice like that is to spend lots and lots of time with him every day mm. you know it's so important to read the word yeah. It's so important to fellowship. It's so important to worship. All of those things are so important. It's so important to live a life of holiness, which we can only do through Him. We can never yeah. do that on our own. That's true. But all of those things are so important. Yeah. But all of those things come out of an intimate relationship with the Lord. Mm. Because if they don't, if we don't have that relationship, then all those things are dead works. There's no life in them. Yeah. And that's Mm-mm. that's really the beginning of our calling as Christians. Every single one of us is called to an intimate relationship with God, mm. with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, getting to know Him. He knows us intimately already. He knows us intimately even if we don't believe in Him, right? But he wants us to get to know him Mm -hmm. that way. He wants us to get to know him intimately. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be the bride of Christ waiting for the marriage, finding out more and more, discovering more and more about Mm -hmm. him every day. Yeah. And and loving him, but letting him love us because he does love us. 
Mm. more than we could ever mm. wow i'm so touched by this testimony and and by the love that you have for people for these women i'm so so and uh, wow I, i went through a time in my life where i'll share this briefly when yes. my dad was 78 years old and my dad lived a life where he helped people mm. all the time he laid his own life down to help other people time after time after time you know he never called what he did a ministry mm-hmm. and i didn't either But after he passed away, I began to realize that God gave me his ministry, but in a different way. Mm. But my dad, when he was 78 years old, came home from a meeting one evening, and he lived in St. Petersburg, Florida, in a very nice area. He lived in a condominium complex for people who were 55 and older. Mm-hmm. But two men stopped that night and saw him and decided to target him. One of them walked around the building. The other one walked up to him and pointed a gun at him and told him to give him everything he had. And he did. He cooperated. He didn't fight. But all he had was $6 in cash, mm. a cheap watch, and a cell phone with the big numbers that old men carry yeah, because yeah. they can't see the numbers very well anymore. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they beat him. I got mad. They shoved him in the bushes. Well, I think so that he wouldn't call law enforcement right away. And uh, he died three days later from an internal bleed. Thank oh, God right. I did get to see him before he passed. Mm. But I was bitter and angry for a long time, for a long time after that. Mm. And God began to bring me on a journey, a journey of forgiveness that transformed my life and turned me from that bitter, angry man to the blubbering, crying. (laughs) You you can see I've shed a lot of tears (laughs) just sharing that testimony to the blubbering, crying man that I am now that's full of love for all people. Yeah. You know, we go out there on the streets, and it's not just love for those women. It's We love everyone out there. We have to show that same love for the pimps. Yeah, I was about in, to ask you. In my natural man, I don't want to love a pimp, especially mm-hmm. when I see the results of what they do, when I see the trauma, the complex trauma that these women go through because of, because yeah. of what their pimps have done to them. But Christ loved everybody. Yeah. And Christ loves pimps too. And we have to show them that love or they will be pimps for the rest of their life. Yeah. The only way they're ever going to come out of that situation is when they see the love of the Lord. When they when they begin to understand the unconditional love of Christ. Mm. And so I guess really my overall testimony is how the Lord has turned me from an angry bitter man into someone who loves everyone unconditionally. Wow. wow. And there's no way I could ever do that on my own. There's no way that any person could ever do that on their own. Mm. You have to let God You have to let God into your broken places, your mm. painful places, the places where you've experienced trauma into your life, in your life. You know, the Lord will never force his way in. He is so loving. We have free will. He's given us free will. Yeah. Not only free will to choose him or not choose him, but mm-hmm. free will once we know him to let him into all of those places where it might hurt. Yeah. But he is so loving and so kind. He never shows us all our trauma right away. He he brings up little things and, yes. and taps on our heart yes. and says, let me into this place and let me heal this place in yes. you. Yes, yes. Mm. A little at a time. Mm. And when we do, yeah. what we think is going to be painful is actually so freeing and so liberating and so beautiful. And I promise you, if you're listening to this podcast, I promise you that no matter how deep your pain is, No matter how deep your trauma is, no matter how many hurt places you have, the Lord will turn every one of those places into joy, into true Mm. joy, because he's done that for me over and over again in so many ways. Mm. Yeah. My, wow. I'm really touched and I'm 
really speechless. And I really, just sitting here with you, I just just can feel the love of God really coming from you towards me. Yeah, I, I just feel it, you know. And um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Even when you talk about the pimp, you know, the pimps, how, you know, my, 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 my thing, you know, is to get people out of hell. Yes. You know, yeah. we, we need to get everybody out of hell. Yeah. We, it shouldn't be acceptable for us to know that our neighbor is going, is going to hell. It's not acceptable. It's not, no, that my neighbor living next door. You know, I'm not talking about the, the spiritual neighbors or love your neighbor, right. this abstract, myth, mythic <laughs> character. Right. You know, it's the lady that lives here with the children. It's not acceptable. Your co-worker. My co-workers, yeah. you know, it's not acceptable. Your family. No, you know, they cannot go to hell. Nobody should go to hell, you know. And so, you know, when you talk about loving pimps, I understand that. It, it does resonate with me, with my heart, you know. Though sometimes I have to deal myself with, you know, I discriminate who want, I want to love, yeah. you know, who I love you because you did this or because you're in need or... I don't love you because, you know, and, and, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, ourselves. We have been accepted the way we are. And there's no way we can judge somebody else for, you know, we do judge sin. We do judge evil. Right. But we cannot, you know, get somebody out of the grace of God. Yeah. Decide that you not, don't right. deserve the grace of That's God right. because I, God found me. Yes. I was guilty. Yes. I was yes. nasty. You know, my sins are, were yeah. nasty. You and know, God forgave the past, present, and future sins. You know, just yeah. got him out of the way. So I was recently out on Bissonnette with a survivor, a woman who five years ago was out there herself, you know, and, and was trapped in that situation, and she had a pimp. And we went over to minister to, there's a group of about six pimps that stand on a particular corner, if the weather's nice, because, you know, if it's cold, they sit in their car. If it's too hot, they sit in their car, because, you know, mm. It's okay to force their women to walk out there yeah. all night in whatever weather, if it's pouring down rain, if it's freezing cold, mm -hmm. if it's really hot. But they won't, you know. Yeah. And uh, But the weather was nice on this evening, and, and we went over, and, and it actually this group of pimps got ministered to twice because we had sent a team out, and that team ministered and uh, talked to them. And then we came by and we ministered. But this survivor looked at a pimp, at this pimp. He's kind of the leader of this little group. He's the most articulate of the group, and, you know, they kind of look up to him. So, um, And she told him, she said, you know, I don't hate you. I hate what you do, mm. and God doesn't hate you. He hates what you do, but he loves you. Yeah. And, for, and she said, I used to work with a guy like you. I used to work for a guy like you, you know. And for her to come to that place, to be able to love that man, uh. who anybody else in that situation would hate, Yeah. only the love of Christ can do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, really. Wow. Thank you so much. I mean, what you guys doing for our city, the city of Houston is just fantastic. Also, Houston is well, very well known for being the capital of sex trafficking. So, yeah. and, and that's so. unfortunate. And I don't even know that that's true statistically, but I don't know. but it is. But <laughs> I heard that you know, yeah, a lot of people do. Uh, you know, but there there is a lot of trafficking that goes on here. Just first of all, because it's such a large city, and second of all, because it's such an international city, there are literally yes. people here from every country on earth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as a result, people are, if you're looking for, you know, a place to traffic people from around the world, this is often where it happens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I come from, my husband and I were born and raised in Italy, in the northern Italy. And they said that Milan mm -hmm. 
mm. is the capital of Europe for mm. sex trafficking. But we would uh, we would find prostitutes on on the street, yeah. on the street. I mean, plain sight, day yeah. in the day in the night. It's yes. really. It's no yeah. different here. Yeah. It's no different in this city. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so so much for sharing this and. Uh, And um, really, people, I invite you, you know, your sins are never, never, never too dark, too dirty for God. Never, never, never. And in any time, we can invite him in. If you haven't done that, today is the day that you can invite Jesus just to come and be your Lord and Savior. Just, just say that. Just be my Lord and Savior. Invite him in. You know, he needs an invitation. He is a gentleman. He's not going to push you, pull you. He's not going to bully you. He needs an invitation, your heart, just to be open. Yes. So just just do it. Just do it. Just uh, don't hesitate. Today is your day of salvation. Amen. And uh, if you like this, uh, what you heard today, uh, just please subscribe to our podcast. We are here brand new and we need some subscribers. We need you to listen to just give us a review there. And if this message really touched you, just send us an email. It's at host at... Um, faithuncensoredpodcast.com you can send us an email and tell you what you thought about this and if you have a testimony okay guys so from Bob Wicker here <laughs> and for myself Ellie you have a great day with Jesus God bless you <laughs> <laughs>